This episode of the EdTech Podcast is sponsored by Pearson, the world's learning company. In a world of increasing change and technological advancement, the need for people to have transferable skills is more important than ever. Aligned to the future of skills and employability, Pearson BTech prepares learners for the future world of work by providing them the knowledge, technical and transferable skills they need to be successful in their careers and in their lives. For more information about BTech esports qualifications, visit btechworks.com. BET is the global meeting place for the education community. A trusted brand with more than 30 years of heritage, the BET series promotes the discovery of knowledge and technology to enhance lifelong learning. The BET series attracts over 60,000 educators, leaders and practitioners alongside more than 1,250 technology providers from around the globe. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the EdTech Podcast, where our mission is to improve the dialogue between ed and tech for better innovation and impact. How are you all? This week has been incredibly busy and fun as I had the chance to catch up with old friends in the edtech world and meet some new faces, so expect some audio from the last few weeks coming your way soon. Moving on, a quick message now from Khan, who got in touch as a data analyst, is shortly embarking on a master's in educational technology, and he has experience working in the adtech sector. Hello there. This is Khan Arslan, an EdTech enthusiast with a mobile gaming and analytics background. I'm looking for new challenges in EdTech and also for people who are interested in working on gameful learning and serious games. Please do send me a message on LinkedIn if you're interested in collaborating. Again, my name is Khan Arslan, K-A-A-N-A-R-S-L-A-N. Thank you so much, Sophie. Thanks, Khan. And if anyone wants to get in touch with Khan, we can drop his LinkedIn in the show notes. Um, now, on to this week's episode, which is all about esports and education. I'm chatting to Tom Dore, Education Director of British Esports, Shubs Nika Taylor, the Curriculum Manager for Digital at Coventry College, and Camilla Maurice, the Curriculum Manager for Mid Kent College. This week's episode is part of our series collaboration with BET, supported by Pearson and focused on skills. And if you want more information about BTEC esports qualifications, you can visit btechworks.com. Okay, here we go. Jumping in, Tom is describing what esports is and why it matters. So esports is classified as organized competitive video gaming, and it's always human versus human. So it's not the stereotypical in your bedroom, on your own, late at night, eating Doritos, drinking energy drink uh, against a computer. Those are very stereotypical misconceptions around what what esports actually is. So it's always human versus human, and then the most part team versus team. So through esports, through participating in esports, through participating as part of a team, young people can develop the, the same range of holistic character skills as we acknowledge happen in all traditional sports or traditional team-based activities. So for young people in schools and colleges who aren't into traditional sports, they're not into drama or music, where are they getting their team-based activity from? Where are they getting their, where are they representing their school or their college? Where are they having their successes celebrated in the same way that we do in traditional sports and traditional team-based activities? So esports is an opportunity to engage a wider demographic of young people uh, and young people who wouldn't necessarily all the time represent their school or college in those other traditional activities. In my own school, for example, the team that played last year, four of the six students that represented the school team did not represent the school in any other activity. So when you have your, uh, you know, your, your assemblies, you know, the, the football team's beaten our local rivals, let's give them a clap on stage. And uh, the school orchestra has been down to the local old people's home and given a concert, let's give them a clap. Yet there's kids who aren't engaged with that and kids that don't have their successes and their talents recognized. Esports is an avenue that allows young people to have those, um, those successes, those, those talents recognized. Then there's significant 
links, inherent links between esports and all things STEM linked, all things digital linked, all things creative media linked. So young people through participating in esports, through competing through esports, through helping as part of the wider team around of individuals around the esports team, which I know Camilla and Shubs will, will talk about in a while and the different roles that young people can take on within the esports ecosystem if they're not playing as part of the team. Through this, they develop the character skills, the teamwork, the leadership, the communication, the decision-making, the problem-solving that we acknowledge happens through team-based activities, but then also the inherent digital skills, um, digital literacy, STEM-based skills, and digital-based skills that we know are so critical for society moving forward. So that is when we can get educators to look beyond the fact that it's video gaming. And once we can get them to acknowledge the skills that young people are developing through playing this, through participating in this, in balance, in moderation, as part of a healthy lifestyle, then that's the point at which we see lots of light bulbs coming on and thinking, oh, we're onto something here. Because let's be honest, young people are doing this anyway. And it's how we can harness it positively as a positive vehicle for, for, for development. Yeah, there's, there's so much there because, um, well, one thing was I remember listening when I was in the car, there was a Radio 4 uh, feature and I think it was on, um, I don't know if it was the Commonwealth Games, but it was yeah. one of these games where esports was uh, going to potentially be running in parallel and they were just discussing whether that was a, a positive or a you know something we should be concerned about. But what I hadn't thought about in the context of that was that you know not everyone engages in sports. So that that was quite interesting to hear how, you know, perhaps instead of it being one or the other, you, you know, if you if you run both concurrently, then then you're you're you know engaging a different group of people that uh, absolutely and look so British Esports um our CEO Chester King is the chair of the organizing committee of the Commonwealth Esports Championships and British Esports is the organization that is uh responsible for the home nations teams um England, Northern Ireland, Scotland and Wales for that, uh which we're hugely, hugely proud of. The the announcement for the Commonwealth Esports Championships has had one point two billion views. It's the biggest wow. announcement in Commonwealth Games history of, of anything. It's the biggest announcement in Commonwealth Games history, and that's for esports. Um, so, yeah, look, it doesn't have to be one thing or the other, and it shouldn't be. Esports e- e- is a thing on its own. In the UK, we're actually classified as a game, not a sport. So we're the same as chess or bridge. Um, in other countries around the world, it, it's classified differently. Um as an example, there are there's a, a student at my school. He's a sub twenty four hundred, uh, sub twenty four and a half second two hundred meter runner. He's a sub eleven and a half second hundred meter runner. He's a county tennis player. He also plays on the esports team. So it is one of many things that young people do um, as part of a balanced lifestyle. Yet there are some young people for we know that this is their thing. This is the thing that they do. This is the thing that they love. This is their opportunity to follow their passion in exactly the same way as happens in any other traditional activity. It's just people potentially have a bee in their bonnet about the fact that it's, it's video gaming, it's screen time, and it's, um, it's not a physical-based activity. Um, however, in balance, in moderation, as part of a healthy lifestyle, then it is an incredibly valid activity to do. And, and just one more question, and then we'll go and see other guests, but... Um... I just wondered how long you'd been doing this role and whether you'd seen a shift from perhaps more pushback initially. Is that changing as we're talking about things like the metaverse and that's broadening out into different areas of our life? Like, has that appetite for esports changed over the time you've been doing this job? Um, so I've I've been involved with British Esports since 2017. Um, and my role is involved. I, look, I still teach three days a week. Um but a lot of my time is spent talking with parents, talking with other stakeholders in and around education uh, and young people. And the lockdown and the whole pandemic has been catastrophic for many, many different reasons around the world and for individuals. However, for the esports industry, it's been almost it's been the perfect storm because we've enabled young people to stay connected. Um, and and stay in touch with their friends and playing with their friends and connected with their friends. And so what it's allowed is uh, the preconceptions or misconceptions that people have around esports or around video gaming and around esports have been challenged. Um, And 
to realize that actually in balance, in moderation, it is an incredibly positive activity um, for young people to, um, to participate in and the inherent links and the inherent skills the STEM skills, the digital skills that young people are developing are incredibly important. And it's just, it's a modern, relevant vehicle through which to do that. And that's where people have, during the last three or four years, are are starting to realise that. They're looking at the career pathways that now exist, the education pathways that now exist, you know, the BTEC, the Level 2 and Level 3 BTECs that I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute, that uh, British Esports have written in partnership with Pearson. Um, From September 2022, there are going to be between 5,500 and 6,000 students studying the Level 2 and Level 3 qualifications. So, and then there's now 32 universities in this country that offer some sort of um, esports based uh, undergraduate programs and then there's the esports industry that is uh, now you know worth 1.2 billion dollars a year um, something like that so people are now seeing the education and career pathways that exist within esports and within the esports industry but how the skills that young people are developing it through it then linked to the wider stem digital and creative creative media industries and Shubs and Camilla, so being sort of involved very much in the curriculum side of things, can you talk me through a few scenarios of how esports is sort of part of your college, some of the programmes that you're doing, and then perhaps um, sort of alluding to some of the student competition aspects of it as well? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay, <laughs> uh, no problem. So, um Uh, In terms of the course that we're delivering at the college, um, it's only been from this September. Um, So it's quite new to us in that sense. However, esports isn't new to the college. Um, So we have been involved in esports competitions, tournaments, um, you know, getting students involved in that side of things um, for about three years now. Um, And it's just kind of evolved. So as um, the British Esports Federation has kind of grown um, and created more of an awareness as um, a grassroots project within esports, you know, we've kind of grown with them. I mean, it's been sort of great for us, um, you know, esports as a whole for the college and for the students in terms of what I've seen. Um, It's done so much for our students on so many levels, Um, whether it's part of their personal development, um, you know, they've developed this confidence, they've made friends, or even development on a professional level as well. So, you know, they've developed these transferable skills. I know that we were previously talking about transferable skills, and so because esports are so sort of broad um, and the industry being so huge, um, so many job roles and employment opportunities, we've really sort of focused on that. Um, and that's how we sort of use um, esports kind of being at the college. So we treat our organisation, Commentary Crosshairs, as um, a business um, and we get students to undertake particular job roles as they would as part of the ecosystem um, and really sort of get students to develop their sort of leadership and people skills um, you know motivating the team uh, getting students to focus a little bit more on organizational skills as well um, with the ability to liaise with external people so external teams across the UK in other schools and colleges um, so because of these sort of transferable skills I would say you know we could train an individual as a coach for example but then they could go on to be an analyst or even an esports psychologist so we really do try to focus on majority of the job roles within the ecosystem um and just give the the young people these opportunities that you know this is the esports industry this is what you can do this is what we can offer you as part of this organization um and it's it's that's kind of how um esports kind of exist within the the college as well so um lots of opportunities that we always sort of consider bringing to our students and you know they they love it they they take a get a real sort of buzz out of it as well which is great um it's quite a positive experience for for our departments within the curriculum but also it's one of our unique selling points at the college you know we've had um, a huge investment into um this provision people see value in it 
And that's great because that's what we've been working for for the past three years. And that's only going to grow as well. And as that grows, uh, we can do so much more with it as well. And lots of opportunities can come through um, to, to any school or college that want to look into esports. I would absolutely recommend it. And it's your particular role around curriculum development that's solely geared towards the esports offering, is that right? Yes, so I'm the curriculum manager for digital, which covers esports, games production, media production and computing as well. So there's quite a lot of areas. But what that means is that we have it's not just esports students that will get involved with our esports provision. Um, originally, it was just opened up to the, the games development students but now as this department grows we can get media production students involved who might want to do some photography for us or record a video promotional videos um, even our computing students that might be interested in you know sort of setting up uh, live streams networking that side of it as well so it is quite broad in that sense um, in terms of who can get involved. We also get students from other departments involved as well. So at the moment, uh, one of our players is on 3D Architecture, who's one of our Valorant players. Um, and he saw the advert sort of go up onto our online learning environments and he got in touch with us to say, you know, I play Valorant, can I be involved? So it's not just limited to um, our curriculum area, it's opened up to everybody. And Camilla, you, you sort of mentioned that, you know, maybe you were a bit newer to the, the this whole world. So could you share with our listeners a little bit about how you got to be involved with it and, and what that looks like in your own setting as well? Yeah, absolutely. So similar to Coventry, we, we, we've we only just started teaching on the Level 3 business uh, pathway from September. So we're just coming to the end of our first year of completing that. And this is the first year as well that we've participated in the student champs tournaments Um with some little success, I suppose, in terms of the progress that our students had made within that. Um, and <clears throat> excuse me, and for us, really, the the whole concept of our esports provision was geared around what we could bring to our local communities that they can't do anywhere else. So we really focused on um, seeking investment from our board of governors um, and our senior leaders at the college in that having a provision like the esports uh, pathways that we want to offer will allow students to develop those key skills that they're going to need in any industry. In particular, we very much focus on not only the skills development for the esports industry, but the entrepreneurial skills and the business skills that they will also build from that. So our students, when they come to complete their two-year program next summer, maybe looking to go off to university and not necessarily follow the esports pathway, but perhaps follow into event management uh, because they've had a taste of that this year in esports and a, a lot of the, the industry placement and insights that we do with them. But other students may look to move into digital marketing or social media marketing because they've had experience of running uh, posts and campaigns and, and marketing plans throughout their two years with us on the program. So we really kind of open it up as an all-encompassing program, but just using the vehicle of gaming as our hook to get them in and get them engaged into something that they can build upon and and, and look to their future selves for. Um, we, we've spent a lot of time uh, prior to us launching our course in September on trying to demystify what esports was all about. And that myth busting still needs to happen because I don't think that conversation is going to end. And Tom did allude to that in his, his opener when we were talking about actually there's more to this than gaming. So when we talk to parents and we talk to other schools local in our area about what our esports provision is, it was really geared about, well, come and see what we do. Come and have a look at the conversations that these young people are having in during a game or, um, you know, and ask them what they've been doing at college today and, and, and have that open conversation with them. And our students, actually, we're, we're really lucky that we've got a group of students this year that are happy to talk about what they do at college or at school you know you know there's that conversation where kids go home and mom or dad or whoever says oh so what did you do today oh nothing well actually our, our students are going home and saying do you know what I, I played Coventry Crosshairs tonight on student champs and they thrashed us 15-1 but that's okay we had a blast and we talked and we built and we strategized and we solved some problems and we know what we have to do so it's really those life skills and those skills that will help them move forward in their own lives that we really do focus on and and we've we've been really 
chuffed to see how our students have developed from that very first day coming into our esports room right through to where they are now posting on social media for a gaming festival that we're part of in in July and then being really you know active and, and buzzing about that and that's really nice to see so yeah onwards and upwards in my opinion that's fantastic I mean what I really loved about what you spoke about there was talking about the sort of pitch upwards to board of governors and then also engaging parents and I was just thinking you know, if, we, if we've got people listening in that are working within a college or within a university or, or any other setting and they're thinking, do you know what, I've, I've been thinking about, you know, bringing esports into our curriculum or into our educational setting in some capacity, but I'm a bit uh, nervous as to how to go about it. Like, what would your additional advice be on how to get started? I think for us, we really utilise British esports federation um they gave us lots of detail and lots of information and we did lots of networking quite early on with some key players that are already doing it so tom was one of my go-tos uh gary at british esports uh, was another one as well as some of the other colleges that are running similar programs and i think by having those conversations about this is how it can work, what what this is what we want to do, and then being able to put down the benefits of this program to our uh, to our local communities and the young people coming through in terms of achievement and retention and attendance, all of the key benchmarks that a lot of schools and colleges are are measured on, and being able to say, do you know what, if we can improve these outcomes for young people through this provision, surely the investment is worth taking. And the the buy-in that we got really from that was we were very, very lucky that the, the proposal that we put forward, looking at those benefits in development and outcomes and and supporting our community, were really taken on board by my governors. And that's that's where I went with that. Queen Mary's College in Basingstoke last year, in the first term of running the the, the BTEC esports, they had a hundred percent attendance for the first nine weeks of the course. A hundred percent attendance for nine weeks at the start of the academic year that that's unheard of you know with 18 students 100% attendance for nine weeks it's phenomenal absolutely phenomenal because the young people are so engaged by this and Tom British esports do you have like aggregated somewhere all of these case studies there are different examples yeah through through the British esports website through the education tab on the British esports website and Pearson themselves have also published some of the different case studies of um, through through their resources page as well for for the esports um, you can find other case studies and things like that there for sure we've also got the our education summit is is happening in, in July um, at the start of July as well Um just before the champs actually or sorry right at the tail end of june it's the thursday the 30th of june um at the confetti institute in nottingham it's a hybrid event um and and so there are you can turn up in in person if you want or you book yourself on it in person or it is a hybrid event so it is online as well and so there's lots of opportunities at events like that to really hear from people like shubs people like camilla uh, and their experiences, both of the competitive side of esports through through the student champs, and also through teaching the BTEC as well. On a very personal level, could I'd love to like know what? So I'm a complete outsider in the world of esports. Um, so what you know, you mentioned some of the games. Could you describe like, just a couple of really popular games? So some of the really popular games. Um, so esports there are about 40 different uh video games titles that are known as esports by the community because they allow this human versus human team versus team competition um all young people will or young people will follow different esports titles it's like the equivalent of me saying i love rugby but i really don't like football it's the same thing with the different esports games and so if you if you're looking to start a club in your school you need to find out what your students are into and what games they like. Because if you say, right, we're going to start a League of Legends club, but you've got no, none of your students are interested in League of Legends, it will fall at the first hurdle. So there are different genres of esports games, like there are, you know, different genres of, um, of music or different genres of film. There are different genres of video game. So multi-online multi battle arena games, MOBA games are things like League of Legends. Now, League of Legends is teams of five versus five. It's the most played game in the world. It, for people of a certain age, um, think Dungeons and Dragons and that type of fantasy-based um, fantasy game. So that's the MOBA game. Then there's first-person shooters or FPSs. 
um, which are games like Overwatch or 18 rated games like Call of Duty or, or, or CSGO or Rainbow Six. Um, they are first person shooter games where you are taking the, the viewpoint of, of a sniper or a, a commando or something like that. Um, then there are the fighting based games, things like Street Fighter or Tekken or, and, and games like that. And then there are the sports based games, um, things like FIFA, um, NBA, 2K, uh, Madden, the American football game, they're sports-based games. And then you get things like Rocket League, which is teams of three, which is rocket-powered cars driving around an arena to knock an oversized football into a goal. It's the simplest of, um, of games, of esports titles to pick up and, and one of the most fun. Um, I think it's worth highlighting that there are um, age ratings as well. So exactly as you have in, in, in films, in um, and you know the classification system the same thing happens in video games as well and uh, so for example call of duty or csgo rainbow six they're all 18 rated games so when you get your your year nines and year tens coming up and say oh we want to play call of duty well actually you can't because it's an 18 rated game so all the things that we promote through british esports through our champs and through the btech are all age appropriate games um and so for example the the four games that we use as part of the the british esports student champs are rocket league which has got an age rating of three and above overwatch and league of legends are both 12 and above and Valorant is 16 and above. So it, it's always, we need to be aware of this. Schools need to be aware of this. Parents need to be aware of this. Um, lots of parents, all parents understand the different film classifications and what is therefore isn't, isn't appropriate for their young people. However, not enough parents understand and appreciate the age rating guidance that, that exists around video games. And so again, that is an area that we can we can help and support with. Fantastic. Thank you. Um, Shabs, I'll come back to you because I, uh, I mentioned I had a few extra questions earlier. I guess, I guess one of them, going back to that transferable skills idea, you know, um, I, I've literally just finished a recording on assessment. And um, and in that, we were thinking about, you, you know, new models of assessment where you're looking more at um, executive skills or soft skills, collaborative skills. So from the point of view of someone really involved in that curriculum, and looking at transferable skills and education, how do you get to the end of that process when teams are working together and lifting out, you know, and in a way making shareable those transferable skills in a way that's sort of consistent? Is is that the piece where Pearson comes in? How does that work? And, you know, how, how do you actually sort of lift up and, and share those transferable skills and, and what's happened as a result of taking place with esports okay so we um we have um you know quite a big group of students that are in uh, involved with the championship so the ones that are competing um, and what we have noticed is not just the players themselves but the students that are writing articles for us or the ones that are coaching or getting involved with shoutcasting all of those students that are actively taking part in esports at the college tend to do a lot better in their assignments and assessments. I'm certain that it is because of those transferable skills that they're learning through that, that, you know, they're improving their ability in communication, for example. So um, one of my assignments um, for the games design units, um, the first assignment, instead of it being a written assignment, I got them to do a presentation. And um, it definitely shows that the ones that are actively involved with our esports provision achieved higher grades, whether it was a merit or a distinction, um, in comparison to perhaps their written assignment at the start of the academic year when maybe they weren't so involved in it as well. So I think naturally, just because, you know, they need to communicate with their team members or their co-host on a, on a, um, a live stream or even those that are communicating with a team of um, those that are managing a live stream and that kind of job role that they're undertaking, it does get transferred into developing those skills for assessment as well. Um, and of course, you know, at the end of the day, yes, they're getting their qualification, but they're also developing those skills. So when it comes to presentation skills, you know, they can use that in a business perspective or they can use that when they're pitching an idea for a game. Um, yeah, it could be for anything like communication so important and crucial in 
a career pathway that um, that's one of the prominent skills that we want to focus on. Um, whether this is quite stereotypical, but a lot of our students that come to us tend to be quite shy. They they might suffer with anxiety. You know, they they find a lot of joy in gaming. They play it because they they're in this world of their own. Um, and I think helping them with that communication element really sort of supports them with that as well. Um, so, yes, we do have um, quite a lot of students that do have anxiety, for example. And because of what they're doing within the esports provision, it's actually helped them in a way that they never thought that they'd ever be able to do. So a lot of these students finished that presentation with me and um, I kind of gave them, you know, a a heads up in terms of whether they've done well or not and they were really proud of themselves you know and perhaps if they didn't have the esports provision they probably wouldn't have that element of pride in them as well and um, so I've seen that kind of um, kind of development and confidence through them which is great. Fantastic thank you and then one, one of the other questions uh, Camilla maybe for you um, you talked about that investment piece for people listening in what kind of outlay should they be thinking about? Is there a lot of investment in kit? Is there a way to sort of manage that and, and think about that more creatively as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the first thing to be really key is that the esports provision isn't geared all around the kit. It's about actually what you do in the space with the framework that you have to make it engaging and inclusive and accessible for your learners. So that's the first thing to remember in that investment is great. If you're if you're lucky enough to be with a with an institution that that kind of offers that investment, then then yes, that's that's really key. But we we looked very much on how we could seek sponsorship partnership details um, with local organisations to help us build our provision and build our space and build our kit. And we were really lucky that we we kind of set a strategy about how we would achieve that so we we knew we wanted to have kind of like a, a a tech partner that we could kind of go to and talk to we also knew that we wanted to have a sports partner that could be involved with health and fitness and well-being that we wanted to tie into our program but also take our provision to them as well we also wanted to have um, a higher education partner so we could link up with further learning and further studies in in, in any course uh, that could tie into what we were trying to achieve in our space in our esports suite and we were really lucky that we were able to get all three of those I think what's equally um, important to remember is that you don't need to have an all singing all dancing fantastic kit that lights up when you press the keyboard or or any of those kind of things yes that looks great and 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 kids and the young people are like wow look at this look at this equipment but actually being able to have a computer that is strong enough and powerful enough for you to be able to host rocket league is all it really needs because a lot of the other work that you do with students in your space um, and their assessments can be geared around standard packages that we can have access to for free it's great to be able to do video production and create wonderful flyers and websites and all of those kind of things. But you can still do that with some of the free package softwares that you have access to. So it's about making sure that whatever investment you get is put into getting the right pieces and the right bit of kit to make your provision the best it possibly can be. But not forgetting that the young people don't just remember the, the the computers, they actually remember their experiences within that space that are generated by the tutors and the teaching team that are delivering that. And I think that's really important to remember. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a big, big message we have here on the podcast as well with any any application of tech. So love to hear that. Um, can I just can I just add to that in the fact yeah. that throughout the journey that I've been on in the last five or six years in esports, it's at no point are we saying to schools, you need to go out and spend £25,000 on a new room just to allow your young people to play video games. The, you know, that's not going to go anywhere. But it's the sort of thing that when a school or a college is upgrading a suite of PCs, to spend an extra £300 on maybe 10 machines, so maybe £3,000, you can have machines that are good enough to run esports games on essentially and so actually but the advantages those machines then give you in terms of wider teaching and learning opportunities through engaging with different packages for example at my school until very recently 
uh, when we did open a, a suite of new new systems at my school, um, the computing department had been bought the Adobe suite, um, access to the Adobe suite, but they couldn't run it on the PCs because the PCs weren't good enough to run the, this package. Or they could, but it would take 10 or 15 minutes to, to open the, the, the package. Now on the new computers that we've got, they run they run perfectly because each computer's got a discrete graphics card in them. Okay. So the, the flip side of that is actually during break times and lunch times and after school, there's provision now at school to use esports and use Minecraft and use other things like that to engage young people in, in extracurricular activities, plus then enhancing the teaching and learning that's going on in the classroom. So actually you're not asking for, for 20 or 30 grand for new computers. You're actually asking for three or four, which if you consider how much the PE department get every year to spend on their kit, for example, and then look at how much money you're asking for that will actually then go for years, it's not that much. It, you can make a good case for investment. And Shubs, um, your top, um, obviously our listeners can't see that. Is that an eSports top? <laughs> it is. So this is our Coventry Crosshairs oh, jersey. <laughs> yes, yeah, so um, we've uh, partnered with Games Apparel, um, who has set up a store for us, um, and it's got everybody. Uh, I'd say, you know, sort of pe- even people in other schools and colleges, sort of saying, "Wow, your store's great. We're going to buy your jerseys. We're going to mm-hmm. buy your merch." And it's just been such a lovely kind of experience because we've got students involved in designing the jerseys as well. So um, we had like a Discord. Um, chats where we worked with the the staff at games apparel and students were also involved in that so they had an input about you know where the colors were going to go and what kind of styles we're going to go with um and so it's great that students really want to be part of um, some of the decisions that we make with regards to our esports provision as well. They want to feel involved. Um, they get really excited when they get selected for things as well. So um yeah, um, I think a lot of people previously were sort of asking about when are you going to get a merch store? You know, can we buy your jerseys? Can we, um, you know, buy beanie hats, that kind of stuff? So, um, yeah, it, it is really exciting and it's nice to see a community of people um, sort of get involved with us as well. And that's the aim of the BTEC really is the skills that and the units that the young people are learning the theory about they then can go and put into practice in part being part of the team. So for example, there is a unit all about uh, branding your own organization. And so actually then the practical application of that is as part of the school or college team playing in, in the champs, you're going to design your team jersey, for example. Or there's the unit about streaming and video production. Okay, so you're learning about the theory behind video production, the theory behind streaming, and then you're putting that into practice by actually um, streaming the games through the, the the school or college team are playing in, capturing that video, and then editing that video into using different software to for different purposes. You know, editing a video to put out on social media, for example, or editing a video so that it can be used by the analyst of the team to actually pick up what the team is doing well and what the team isn't isn't or areas for development for the team there are all these different transferable skills that it's not just the theory the kids are learning it's the practical application of that and that's what makes it so critical in terms of uh career opportunities not just within the esports industry but within the wider creative and and digital industries can i just add to that actually because there was something that that i just picked up there that tom was saying if there was ever a course where you could allow your students or your pupils to get their mobile phones out in class then this would be the course to do it and and because normally you know the use of phones in the classroom are kind of frowned upon unless they're being used for for some assessment purpose like a kahoot or something like that but actually you know it today i had the esports guys in and we're working on social media uh the social media unit uh we're participating in a festival that's coming up local to us in, in the summer and part of that is being social media influencers so they can use the unit work that we have to assess them on on something that's actually real life and practical for them so we're all sitting around the table that we've got here in our esports suite and they're all kind of posting the graphics they've got their comments they've got they're looking at their analytics and they're thinking about actually 
okay, so how successful was my post? How can I improve that? What can I do next week when I'm going to post again? I'm going to mark that off my plan. Very business orientated and accessible for everyone. And that's what I really love about it. It's not just being on social media and posting about what you're having for dinner or you know, or, or any other things that young people might post about, Love Island being the thing at the moment, I suppose. Actually, it's about, I'm taking part in this event, come down and see me, this is what we're doing, we're in the local community, and, and actually, it's worthwhile. And that's what I really love about the accessibility of this programme, and what we're actually allowing our students to do. And just on accessibility, as a sort of final question, before um, I might round up by asking you any of your favourite resources for, for being enthusiastic about esports, so books, podcasts, people, blogs. Uh, but I'll come back to that one. But like, so final final question, I suppose, is right at the beginning, we talked about, you know, misconceptions and myth busting and, um, you know, stereotypes of who's involved in esports. Um, I guess I'd love to like hear about esports in relation to inclusion and yeah opening up who has access to STEM careers we started our academic year I think with 21 learners on our books on esports um of which a quarter of those are female and I have one learner who is in a wheelchair um and we have really seen how these young people have embraced their not being of main necessarily being um accepted in that type of community based on 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 who they are their gender and their and their mobility issues and actually what we've seen especially from my 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 wheelchair student the student in a wheelchair is that he has really come out of himself and been really active on actually trying to promote disability in esports himself he 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 said to me I really want to push this forward and see how I can raise awareness about actually how esports education and having a disability actually really works well for me and my successes and my my progress and my development as a, as an individual so he's started to kind of have a bit of a voice about accessibility of esports based on on disability and my my female students we're trying to kind of get very much more involved in girls in uh, women in games one of which um is now a moderator on the uh, british esports D- discord for us um and so we're trying to kind of build on some of those success stories and these initiatives to kind of develop our future leaders in esports if you like um to promote actually how accessible and inclusive this this type of sector can be and and more still needs to be done. I don't think we will ever be there for that, but we're seeing that growth quite quickly and, and it's really pleasing to see. So, um, I mean, for me, when it comes to kind of inclusion and, you know, getting everybody involved, I do believe that esports is for everyone. Um, it's so accessible in so many different levels. But in terms of the uh, the involvement from students that we have, you know, I would love to have a higher proportion of girls on our courses, on, um, you know, our extracurricular activities. Um, and at the moment, you know, it is still a tough sell. Um, but I think we are working towards that. So perhaps through public education, um, giving everyone the responsibility to talk about women in STEM in a positive light. You know, I do feel that it is everybody's responsibility to to sort of have that. Um, I think that we are going in the right direction, um, but I think that it is kind of a bit of a slower process as well, but we are getting there. Um, so the way that we've kind of challenged that and kind of allowed this um, provision to open up to everybody is to really sort of state that the crosshairs community um, is made up of people of different backgrounds of race, gender and sexuality. Um, and all members of the crosshairs um, are these, um, you know, ambassadors for these different groups um, and they are actively encouraged to be respectful and demonstrate inclusive behaviour as well. So we do sort of have a policy where we challenge negative behaviour and the comments that are made. Um, You know, if we don't, we're not educating people and we're not creating a safe space for everybody. Um, And this is something that's really sort of personal to me. Um, You know, for example, I can't lead the crosshairs knowing that discrimination exists. against people you know like myself or other sort of groups as well and then ignore it so it kind of becomes our agenda to sort of demonstrate to 
to the public through our social media whenever you know we have talks um that kind of stuff to really sort of say that this is for everyone you should get involved even you don't have to be a player for us you know you could do um some um, article writing or you know even coach a team if you didn't feel comfortable to to play the game but you felt comfortable to know the game well enough and be able to strategize yeah that's fine we want people to be involved and that extends to everybody um it doesn't matter about your background but yeah it we want it to be inclusive i, I think so esports is age neutral as long as you're old enough to play the game uh, by the ratings uh, in it, it, its gender neutral and its ability disability or differently able neutral in a way that lots of other games traditional sports and activities aren't or can't be um so for example camilla mentioned the student in a wheelchair for example you can play esports allows differently able people to play alongside their able-bodied friends in a way that they can't or or won't do in other traditional games and traditional activities it is a level playing field that said it is still a male-dominated industry as is the tech industry um the 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 statistics on the btech for this year 10 percent of the students taking the btech this year at the btech and esports are are female this year uh, it was five percent the year before that so we are building and there are there is obviously still lots we can do uh, at british esports we we run the women in esports campaign that's um that's run by very talented uh, female colleagues um to really promote and highlight um female role models um within the industry and to give young uh, younger female um students really something to look forward to and uh, to aspire to uh, essentially and to show pathways that, that, that they can follow in, in terms of wider inclusion in terms of uh, alternative provision uh, we've done a lot of work and uh, amazing work on alternative provision and some of the um the impact that those esports projects have uh, have been huge uh, we ran uh, we ran a project we've run many projects but one that always springs to mind is the project that we ran in alternative provision in, in pupil referral units and there was one student whose attendance at school was 60 percent he was a selective mute in school and violent towards members of staff turns out he was a rocket league player he ended up coaching two younger students who up until that point physically couldn't be in the same classrooms as each other because they were so violent towards each other they ended up being coached by the student who was a selective mute who decided not to be a mute when he was coaching rocket league his attendance then went up to 95 percent during the six weeks that the pro the esports project was going on and these two lads who up until that point were physically violent towards each other every time they're in the same room then joined the same team to be able to play rocket league being coached by this older student who then was not violent towards members of staff anymore it is an incredibly powerful tool with which to motivate and engage young people. And that's the message that I really want at the heart of what I want educators to really realize and to appreciate is to understand the opportunities that esports provides to engage a wider demographic of young people. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing that story. Um, so to, to wrap up then for our listeners, um, can you share... Any books, blogs, people, projects? I mean, you just sh shared an amazing one anyway, Tom, to be, to be fair, but that you'd like to kind of leave our, our listeners with. For me, there's two um, that, you know, I wouldn't, uh, we wouldn't be in this position where we are right now. Um, so, of course, the British Esports Federation, um, the staff there are so knowledgeable. They're so keen to offer that support for us. Um, and you know yeah um they've been great um and then we've also got vulpine esports as well um so they focus on grassroots um esports um and they are a grassroots project as well so they get a lot of young people involved they're very inclusive um and they've offered their expertise for us to kind of develop our brand um and we work quite closely with each other so um yeah those two are definitely the, the two orgs that we I would recommend. Uh, thank you. Uh, Camilla, do you have some? 
Yeah, def- definitely British esports. They they are like the the, the gods of esports. Um, and you, you know, the smiley faces. And <laughs> but I I know that you know I could drop an email to to Tom or Gary. Uh, you know, and if I had a question about something, and then they'd get, or I had an idea and and whatnot, they 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 come back to me, which is always fantastic. But I've really benefited, and I think our provision and and my fellow teachers on the program have really benefited from um, creating a network of other teachers um, who teach esports at other schools and colleges um, via LinkedIn, listening to their stories and seeing what they're doing, as well as being able to kind of tap into that and say, I'd love to find out how you've done that or how you've assessed this or what if you got you know and, and kind of tapping into that network so definitely LinkedIn is a really good network to go to to kind of follow other um, esports tutors or curriculum managers or heads of department and, and whatnot um, because they've been really invaluable with us uh, to, to be able to do that and there is a discord server as well I believe that that we we're on uh, with other colleges and we talk about various different things so yeah that's that's been invaluable for us. Wow, and any of these that you can share publicly, we'll we'll um, put on our show notes and share during this episode when it's released. So, and Tom, you've dropped a few links in there. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we have worked in collaboration with the NSPCC to develop not only our internal safeguarding policies and procedures, but we've developed in collaboration with them a parent and carer guide um, that is you know it has all the benefits of playing esports how parents can support their young people the career pathways the education pathways but then also highlights areas like online safety like about about balance and moderation about health and well-being um and about um what is too much and what what if parents are thinking that their young people are playing too much and where they can go to for extra support for that so that's a that's a good point of uh, point of reference um, that are, that hopefully we can share. Uh, also, a little plug as well. So British Esports have worked with Pearson to develop digital teaching and learning resources to go alongside the BTEC. They will be released in time for September. So for people fresh into the teaching of it, certainly units one, two, and three are all going to be available. Digital resources are going to be available to go alongside that um, for resources to use in the classroom as well. The, the Discord that was mentioned, there are various different Discord groups, but certainly there is, uh, for the British Esports student champs, there is a Discord server for all staff to be part of um, at, at that point in time. And there are loads and loads of, um, in, in the US, for example, certainly the competitive side of esports in high schools in the US is a lot further ahead than, than than where we are in the UK. The academic side, not so much, but the competitive side is is a lot more prevalent in the US. Uh, and so there are a lot of resources and things like that available from US high schools. Fantastic. Thank you all. And uh, yeah, I think the main takeaway I've um, had after listening to you is it's not, it's not really about the game necessarily. It's, it's just a whole ecosystem of activity that's happening around it so that's really fascinating to hear and you know um yeah I just think that's a wonderful opportunity for young people to get involved whatever their passion and skill set and you've just got this sort of kernel of activity in the in in the middle and all of this other stuff happening spinning off from it so that's really really wonderful to hear about so thank you so much thank you thank you thank you thank you have a nice evening That's all for this episode. Huge thanks to all of my guests and Bet and Pearson for supporting. If you liked listening in, do tell a friend or rate and review. And if you want to record a short note for inclusion in next week's episode, you can do so at theedtechpodcast.com and hit the speak note tab. Have a great week, everyone. See you next time. Bye.